This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Welcome to another in our interview series. This is Douglas Carr. I have on the line with me, I have the CEO of Loop and Tie, Sarah Rodell. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. I'm happy to be here. And uh, for people who haven't heard, and uh, I, I don't know that anybody in the country hasn't heard of your company yet, uh, but Loop and Tie is just an incredible um, service. I would say service. Wouldn't you say service? Yeah. So I, I juggle service and platform. So if there was a way to combine yeah. those two words, that would be us. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so it's just an incredible platform to build and run personalized, scalable customer appreciation programs um, powered by gifting. Uh, so you can go to uh, loopandtie.com uh, to see the site. And one of the things that um, I always tell people, you know, I, I typically get pitched, you know, and I was excited to get Sarah on one because you're an entrepreneur. Uh, and two, you're leading a space that is really kind of leading edge, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, e-commerce and, and um, I guess it's not really retail, but, you know, online uh, shopping. And you really have some great insights as far as personalization. So maybe we could start with, you know, what, what inspired you to start your business? Sure. Um, so kind of what set me down this path was experiencing a problem in the gifting space myself. I was working at a large investment bank and volunteered to handle all of the client gifts we were giving over the holiday season. And I was sort of struck by how much time and effort went into purchasing what ended up being just pretty generic gift baskets. And there's this incongruency with how companies and, you know, how I, I saw myself gifting versus every other piece of business. Um, typically, we're using a CRM, we're tracking everything that we're doing, there's this sort of uh, process that, that's built out around it so that you can increasingly know your customer better and better. And gifting doesn't do that. It was offline, it was um, super disjointed, uh, and didn't, didn't tie into anything that we were doing in the business. And um, it just got me thinking, I thought it was weird, um, started researching the industry and couldn't believe how much companies spend every year. Um, $90 billion was, was the stat that I got to and um, just sort of stood out to me as room for improvement. Wow. And, and I mean, that's just incredible. And, and you're so right, because as a company, I obviously send gifts to clients and everything else. And, and I get tired of the, you know, the, the most personalized I get is throwing a logo on a batch of brownies or something <laughs> like that, you know? Yep. And, and you're, and you're right. It's not meaningful. So you're, t you're doing something that one is you are spending a, a premium dollar, right? We don't, you know, you don't send stickers out, you know, to thank you. <laughs> you know, to thank your, your customers or clients or friends, you know, and, and two, you know, you really do want it to be personalized to them to make it something special that they're going to remember. Right, right. And there's sort of this mismatch there too, where um, the more clients you have, the more common denominator you end up needing to get and the further away from that personalization goal. Um, and scaling personalization is, is challenging in any aspect of, gift, uh, of, of business and, and gifting is just one example of that. So um, really kind of married this incongruency that I saw alongside this general trend that exists in, in good business where the more personalized you can get to your customers and um, the more you can know their specific interests and tastes 
typically the more successful you are and, and sort of starting to think about how you get to marry these two, um, these two items. And, and had you worked in this space prior or were you an entrepreneur prior? No, I knew nothing at all about gifting. I knew nothing about technology. Um, I, you know, was really starting from ground zero and, and I never even really set out to start a company. I can become quite fixated on ideas. And to me, you know, the more I went down this path, I just wanted to have this idea in my head be a thing that existed. And I also wanted to prove to myself just on a personal um, and, and professional level that I could do it. Um, so those, those elements came together and ended up uh, having me leave my job and, and go down this startup path. Well, welcome to the disease, uh, thanks. right? Thanks, I know. It's a, it's a hard one to shake. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and as you thought about this, obviously, you thought about, you know, consumer behavior changing as well. Um, can you talk a, a, a little about what were the trends that you kind of saw that you said, this is a valid business concept, you know, that, that cust- consumers are expecting, you know, um, this unique, you know, experience? Sure. Um, there's a, there's sort of a few sort of um, anecdotes that I was thinking about that have built momentum over time. And I think the, the first shift in customer expectations really came when social media became a way that we could connect with brands. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, growing up, I, I would always see that if you have a question um, about our brand or about our product, there was a, a PO box on the side of like a, a cereal box that you could 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 contact if you you had a question about Cheerios or, or something. And um, there was this expectation that maybe you would hear back, maybe you wouldn't. But um, a big company like General Mills was sort of out of reach. And um, with the advent of Twitter and Facebook, um, you started having this expectation as a customer that you could have a direct line of communication and more or less get an instantaneous response. And so this really elevated how consumers expect brands to treat them. And it became, you know, very quickly an expectation that wasn't a nice to have. If you didn't respond right away, uh, you, you kind of risked aggravating your customers. And I thought that that was really interesting. Um, and, and, you know, the brands that really embrace social had great benefit from that at the beginning. And, and that never really presented itself with physical products so much um, in terms of having a personalized interaction. So that was something that kind of went into my thought process and um, really got me thinking about how do you create a personalized experience that's physical, that's not just this digital communication. Um, you know, what does that look like? And choice really is sort of the best way to um, to be able to achieve that. And I also looked at how choice was presenting itself across other mediums where uh, I, I saw myself shifting from flipping through TV channels to just see what's on to actively choosing that I wanted to watch something mm. on Netflix right now and that, you know, went from being this really uh, amazing moment where, you know, you DVR'd something, you could watch it as soon as you wanted to. That used to be a novelty and now it's the expectation. And so looking at, you know, kind of marrying that trend with this expectation for personalized, um, personalized content and personalized interactions along with this choice that, you know, you can have what you want when you want it, I think really changes every aspect of how customers really grow their, um, their brand affinity over time or how businesses grow their brand affinity rather over time. 
Wow, that's uh, that's just incredible insight. You know, I'm not sure that a lot of people really connect the dots, you know, between consumers' expectation and how they're consuming media, you know, to to you know uh, regular products and services. But you're absolutely dead on. That's that's incredible. Well, you know, as a leader in this industry and and developing a solution and a platform from the ground up, um, do you think that was 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 that the easier route than trying to take a, a company that might have been around for a hundred years to to try to adapt to this change? Um, you know, I don't know whether it's a question of easier. I think that you know it's sort of different gears. The way that I looked at where I could ride this this um, trend and, and this observation was really through creating it myself, um, simply because mm-hmm. that was most accessible to me. You know, not having come from anything that that was uh, at all close to the gifting industry or even anything in technology, I don't think that I would have had the opportunity to bring these ideas into an existing concept because I didn't yet have the credibility. Um, so part of this was, you know, building my own credibility within the space and um, and also a lot of trial and error. So. You know, these ideas were floating around in my head, but didn't synthesize into loop and tie for a while. Um, so really, you know, having the, the freedom to explore and um, the, um, the, the, all the <laughs> nice things that come from failure after you failed, but all the horrible things that come while you're failing, <laughs> of course, create, yeah. you know, interesting lessons. <laughs> Sure, of course. And and do you think do you think the advancement of technology really allowed for this innovation as well? Oh, of course. You know, I think that when you look at the level of effort that it takes to start a company now, it's so much ridiculously lower than it was 5 years ago, 10 years ago. And um, you know, I look at when we first started Loop and Tie, it was a front-end site that um, essentially was masking a, a series of, of um, spreadsheets and you know a very messy, unorganized, um, not automated order management process, but it allowed us to prove a concept. And so I think that wow. sort of low bar for proving a concept that is pretty big, you know, I think this this idea of proving that that companies are willing to send choice and choice drives customer engagement was a pretty big thesis. And the investment to prove that thesis, I think, was you know exponentially lower than it would have been, um, you know, say ten years ago. Uh, incredible. I think I, I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine an existing, you know, company trying to mimic this both culturally and with the layers of process and, you know, hefty systems and logistics of everything that they've done. It seems, it seems like what, you know, what you've created is just, uh, you know, it's so innovative. Um, I'm, I'm not sure anybody would listen to you if you, <laughs> even if you had proved it, I'm not sure anybody would have said, Oh yeah, let's do these, you know, perfectly custom one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> know, engagement with people. There's a lot of yeah, nuance. This is incredible. There's a lot of nuance for sure. Yeah. And there's, and and it's an inspiring story as well for other people that are, are, you know, looking at, you know, at technology as an opportunity, you know, to obviously uh, live their dream or, you know, launch a business or whatever. So kudos, kudos to you for making that leap as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how, I, I'm curious now, you know, Loop and Tie is, uh, has been around now for uh, over four years, is doing incredibly well. 
uh, obviously through your leadership. So congratulations on that. Um, you know, how do you take, uh, what do you, what's the next step? You know, how do you scale this hyper customization and personalized customer engagement, you know, for the future? So our goal is to really see where, how our customers behave when we're not around, um, which is sort of what got us into this to begin with and, and see what those expectations are and then, you know, gently make their lives easier. And so um, we saw how they were behaving with with choice and personalization before we were around. So we created, you know, loop and tie as it stands today. And now we see the way that they're using us and, um, and how they're integrating some of the things that come out of using loop and tie, like new customer data, new customer communications with their existing CRM tools. Um, and so we want to make that easier too. And so really looking at meeting our customers in their workflows and continuing to make their lives easier is sort of the general trend that we want to follow. And the way that that expresses itself is integrating Loop and Tie into different platforms. Um, and, you know, we, we're successful right now as a standalone um, web application, but we want to think about how we can integrate um, into to places where our customers are having those conversations um, Salesforce is a really big opportunity for us. Um, as you know, everybody knows it's sort of a best, mm -hmm. best in class um, customer relationship and, and also, you know, now marketing and, and customer service tool. And uh, we were fortunate to have the opportunity to present at um, their Dreamforce conference and um, were, were, was a winner in, in that. And so that was a, a really great moment um, in terms of validating this concept with uh, CRM integrations, and that'll be a big focus for us in the next year. Uh, and you already, uh, people should know that you already do automate gifting. Uh, it looks like from your site for over five, 500 different applications, including it looks like MailChimp, Stripe, Zapier, Shopify, Eventbrite, Zendesk. Uh, so you've got, you've got quite a few integrations already. Yes, we do. We, um, so we have an open API and we use uh, a company that I think is fantastic called Zapier, um, which is another example yep. of a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, tool that makes it easier to start companies. That's always been um, an important piece for us just in our own internal operations. And so through that, we're able to really easily tie into other applications. Um, and we're looking at becoming just essentially more native. Well, Sarah, that's that's incredible. The direction that you're taking this, I I, I can't. I, I am just amazed, and and I'm probably going to be your next. Not probably. I'll be your next customer. Perfect. How's that, that sounds great. We'll, we'll have you. <laughs> and and. And it's exactly it's exactly the kind of solution that I was that I was wanting because as a as a business myself and very busy, you know, obviously I value my clients and I value my time as well, and so I don't have the opportunity to go out and you know hand select you know things from all kinds of sites and 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 try to do things. And so I love the fact that with Loop and Tie you can just you know select your gift choices, you know, personalize it, and then you guys take care of the rest. That's it's what an incredible service. Thank you. I, I really like what you just said about valuing cli your clients and valuing time. I, I might steal that from you. <laughs> You can absolutely steal that. And and for people uh, listening, loopandtie.com. And uh, and up at the top, it, it, since we're talking B2B here, uh, on the top menu, you can see for business and get a full explanation of of how the service works. And, and uh, any parting wisdom, Sarah, for other companies to kind of open their eyes to, you know, how they how they should be looking at personalization and, and, and hyper customization, you know, for their products and services? Um, you know, 
what I try to do when I'm thinking about customer trends and trying to predict customer behavior is get as as simple and basic as possible because I, I find that the truths are often kind of hiding in plain sight. And you know, when when we talk about predicting the future and, and predicting trends, it can sound scary because it's the unknown. But you know, to, to really give yourself the time to really look at consumer behaviors and think about things that we're buying and websites we're visiting that we don't think about anymore, but we weren't doing 10 years ago. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, as I go down that path of just studying our strategy and, and trying to predict what I think people will do, it's really just looking at what they're already doing and, and breaking down why and how, and then sort of ex- putting my own expectations around how that'll grow. Mm. That's fantastic. Well, you're definitely changing, shifting paradigms. I'll throw the buzzword in there. Um, but, um, but, you know, as, as we see, you know, a lot of people are struggling, obviously, on, on, uh, in this um, space. Obviously, you're heading, you know, you've got a rocket ship that's heading in the right direction because you're listening to consumers. And I think that's, that's, that's just a notable thing for everybody listening to this is um, really start to look at, you know, maybe where you're losing your customers and why you're losing your customers and then seeing what's attracting them. But wow, this is fantastic. Well, for, for everybody listening again, uh, we're speaking with Sarah Riddell, uh, from loop and And, uh, is, uh, Sarah, do, do you, do you want everybody to follow loop and tie, uh, across social media or do you, do you, are you also on social media for folks to follow? Yes. Um, the loop and tie account is probably the most active, um, but, uh, loop, loop and tie, like you loop and tie a present and, um, and I'm at Sarah Faye Rodell. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for speaking with us today. And again, congratulations. This is, this is just a really great service. Appreciate it. I'm happy I could spend the time talking to, to you and your audience. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.